welcome to issue 202.2 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as the so-called heroes intent on thwarting. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me tonight is Mike. Hello, hello, and hello, dear listeners. You thought you could get rid of us for a whole week? Ha! Mike, I'm delighted that you're here. I'm delighted you're here too, Daniel. I'm also delighted that Steve is here. (coughs) Sorry, I got a frog in my throat. Hi, Daniel. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And we are once again joined by the beautiful duo of Bill, board game lawyer, and James. How are you guys? What's going on? I'm good. It, do you guys actually have a pumpkin pie in here? Because it already smells worse than last time. It's yeah. not so good last time. Now it's, it's just really not smelling now. good. Yeah. So, okay. Well, it's good to be here anyway. Well, well thanks. Hey, speaking of you being here, James, you know, we, we met you last, last uh, issue um, with your origin story in my life. But now tell us the origin story of your life in terms of like Marvel history, comics, movies, like... What got you into this game? The themey stuff. Okay, sure. So, uh, yeah, so my experience with Marvel prior to playing this game, um, you know, I briefly read some of the uh, original, original X-Men comics. um, But this was like when I was in my maybe early 20s, late teens. Um, And then I'd seen a few of the movies. I'd seen, you know, I've had Disney Plus. I've seen things. I've seen some shows. I've seen this and that. Um, But I actually was playing um, Arkham Horror. So I really came to the game through Arkham Horror, and I was honestly not thinking of playing Marvel Champions till it came up uh, on Craigslist for like 20 bucks. And then I took the plunge. And ironically, uh, that got me more into Marvel than anything prior. So listen well, Marvel. Fancy Flight Games is doing you a great service by getting people <laughs> into your content. That is totally true of me, too. I read my first Marvel comic after playing the games. Not after oh, wow. seeing any of those television shows. It's a Commonwealth thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Is. Exactly. That's amazing to me. Oh, I I didn't know any of this stuff. I still don't. Before, before <laughs> playing this game, like I saw the movies, but I, I definitely remember the you know did little did little like I can remember the theme tune, so I must have heard. I definitely saw that when I was a kid as well, but. Yeah, Bill's probably our most well-read, right? Bill, you, you've been reading comics for a while. Yeah, I think I, I went to the doctor, and the doctor gave me one when I was four years old. Uh, I was in the waiting room there, and he's like, here you go, be quiet, and handed me the, my first comic. <laughs> it was an Archie comic all the way back then, so that's almost 50 years ago when I started. So I haven't done much the last probably 20 years, but uh, up until you know the 90s, I was, I was collecting them pretty heavily. I still have all my, all my books in the closet in there. Nice. Would you mind explaining again to the listeners what, what's happening in this special week? Again? Okay, so the reason why you're hearing <laughs> us again isn't because of time stuff. It's because we are delivering five juicy episodes to your ear holes this week. We are doing Mansion Attack in five parts. One part for villain, plus a special big end of show. What are we sure. talking about? The mansion on that one? The encounter deck. The encounter deck, because I was here when we were planning this, as you can tell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the encounter deck and the mansion in the last one. Well, uh, so yeah, here we go. Little little shorts. Nice. And who's the short one on the docket today? 
Uh, I believe this would be Bill. Oh, okay. So we're talking about Toad oh. this week, right? Love this guy. Everyone can hear the toads croaking in the background right now. So that was the dead giveaway. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, so Toad, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The first iteration of Toad took place all the way back in 1964, X-Men issue number four. So this year, Toad turns 60. So if my schooling is correct, Toads are amphibians. So is that old for an amphibian? Maybe we could start off with a little quiz that Daniel loves so much. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. How about the longest living amphibian? He was the Chinese, giant Chinese salamander. Let's do um, Price is Right rules. Daniel, you can go in any order that you like, because I know you like can these I, so much. So, can, I, can I ask a clarifying question, Bill? Sure. Uh, since you are our resident uh, biologist. Right. Are turtles and tortoises amphibians or reptiles? They reptiles. are. They're reptiles. Reptiles. Very good. Very okay. good, guys. Thanks. That was a good quiz. So then amphibians. I will, I will go last. You will go last. Okay, so <laughs> you have chosen correctly. That was the question. That... <laughs> <laughs> so the longest living amphibian was the Chinese giant salamander. Sorry about the loud truck in the background. <laughs> Probably heard that right. Nope. I thought that was the giant salamander. Like, that was really big. <laughs> big. Oh, he, was, he was coming through the door. So, yeah, the longest living amphibian, giant Chinese salamander. Any guesses on his age? Any guesses on how old the oldest living years? 112. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go 40. 40. Okay. Mike, that's a great guess. So I'm going to say 41. 41. That was a good guess, too. But now, uh, let's see. Who was closest to 200 years old? What? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, James I had 112. Yes. James. Wow. Good oh, job, James. Wait a so, minute. An amphibian can live as long as like a turtle? That's right. Yeah, I was going to say tortoises can like crack 200 or whatever. Those things like they're immortal, aren't they? I mean, really? I'm not really sure how you <laughs> fact check that, really, unless you have some kind of. I mean, the amphibian outlives everybody studying it, right? So. Yeah, just pass I mean, it on. I mean, like, here's the notes from the salamander. Make sure you don't lose them, <laughs> right? <laughs> Dang. All right, on, on an aside here, uh, this is going to date us, because we record ahead of time. I think people have figured that out. The Saturday Night Live that just came out with Emma Stone, they do a quiz show, and one of the contestants wins a giant tortoise. <laughs> and the whole thing is like, she's stuck with this thing for another 100 years and all this, because the, the, it's, it's a very funny skit. You should go watch it. It's relevant to this. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the backstory for <laughs> Mr. Mortimer Toynbee. That's the name of Toad. Oh. He was born in York, England. Uh, I kid you not. My mum is in York right now. No kidding. Listening to the show. All world. <laughs> I mean, mum, your first podcast, I'll send you a link. This will be your first podcast, I'm pretty sure. Nice. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Another listener. Another download. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Mortimer Toynbee, he was born again in York, England. His parents abandoned him at a young age. And as a child, he couldn't even remember who his parents were. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted the Gerber baby. And so 
you know, they didn't want the baby anymore. So it kind of harkens to that. I don't know if you guys saw that Michael Keaton Batman movie where Danny DeVito, the penguin, uh, gets ditched by his parents there uh, early on in life. It's a similar situation here with, with Toad. So he's placed mm-hmm. in an orphanage. And it's in the orphanage there where the other children tormented him because of his looks and his physique. And he was very traumatized by this treatment that he received there at the orf- orphanage. And he became a very lonely person. Uh, this continuous abuse caused him to feel isolated. And it also had an effect on his learning ability. And it's for this reason that the teachers and the administrators of the orphanage deemed him as being mentally challenged. Although Toad, Mortimer Tornby, um, had an average learning ability, and but he would in time become evolve to become more of a genius, like hacking computer systems and so forth. But in those early formative years, Toynbee became so desperate for attention that he developed a pathetically subservient personality, and he would unquestionably obey anyone that thought that that he thought sincerely cared about him, and so this would make him ripe for the pickings. Mm. For Magneto, yeah. Very, very easily manipulated. Magneto recruited him to be in his brotherhood, and he's the one who actually gave him this uh, alias of Toad. And fittingly so because of his powers, his appearance, his personality. I know, Steve, in a recent show, you talked about some of his powers. Um, So we've already learned that he has this long tongue, that he could leap like a frog, um, that he was very stealthy. We also learned that Toad had uh, like superhuman strength, that he had uh, superhuman stamina. He has an extremely flexible skeleton. I don't know if you've ever seen like a frog, like kind of like taking its back feet and rubbing around. <laughs> Have you ever kinda seen that flexible. with the? Yeah, yeah the real, real flexible with their eyeballs pricing. with their feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, That's Can you say all of that exactly the same again, verbatim? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got me. Yeah. Now, well, if if you've ever seen nature shows like that, the the frog can like lick its eyeball, but it like tucks its eyeball inside of its. It's just extremely nasty, flexible, mm. and so that's what Toad had this these abilities. He also had a healing factor. Uh, he could even regenerate limbs. Um, he also secreted a pheromone, which he could use to manipulate the minds of others. Uh, he could yeah, spit really. acid, you know, like Spider Man. Um, he can stick to surfaces, and I'm not sure what actually allows Spider-Man to stick to surfaces. I think in the movies it looked like he had little barbs coming out of his fingers, but in the case of Toad, he secretes a glue out of his skin, which is kind of a multi-purpose glue because it allows him to stick to surfaces, but it also attacks the nervous systems of others in order to paralyze them. So... Just one other thing that he can do that's really cool is he can psionically communicate and control amphibians. And so those are kind of like his minions. They're like his spies. He can send them out to do his bidding. Um, you know, if you forgot something in the store, you can send them down there. You know, hand me the remote. And they can do these things for him. So he can communicate with them um, through mental control, so to speak. And... Um, these are all abilities that must have developed over time because he's, he's really developed a lot of cool ones, but Magneto, you know, he became like a surrogate father to Toad, but not necessarily in a good way. Magneto, he's someone who's always on the lookout for powerful mutants that he can use for his cause. 
But in Toad's case, Magneto is initially not all impressed with his abilities, but uh, the concept of having an expendable pawn that would follow his orders unquestionably, that certainly appealed to him. And so, you know, I... Mm. You know, I, I haven't personally reached the level of villain status yet, but isn't that kind of how it works, guys? <laughs> yeah. No, this story makes me sad. I know. I was, I was thinking about you, Dan. Sorry about that, Daniel. But anyway, yeah. let's just go a little bit further. So, hopefully it gets better, okay? I'm sure anyway, it will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Toad was absolutely devoted to Magneto. And since he attached himself so loyalty, loyally to Magneto, like I said, going as far as viewing him as a parent, this was a huge contributing factor is, is why he would blind himself to Magneto's own verbal and physical abuse of him. Um, Magneto is not kind to him, but he's just kind enough to him to kind of keep him on the hook. Another contributing factor to why Toad would put up with this type of treatment from Magneto is because he believed in his cause, because Magneto was out to conquer the human race, and particularly those who rejected him throughout the years. And so he's got some pretty serious baggage. There's some pretty deep scars here with Toad. Uh, but he believed that by aligning himself with Magneto, that he would be given a place in honor in his new society that Magneto would create. So those are his beginnings, so to speak, regardless of whatever iteration of Toad we've seen over the past 60 years. It's always kind of a common part of his backstory that he was an outcast who was initially very easily manipulated and that's kind of a sad story. So Daniel, I, you know, yeah, you're looking for one of those characters to sympathize with. Well, here you go. You know, this, this might be the one. Thank you. Yeah. He had all this emotional baggage and he saw, you know, Magneto as a savior. So he went to Magneto and Magneto looked at him and said, you look like a toad. I'm going to call you toad. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's just still with him. Yeah. I wonder wow. if that's, not really the first time he's ever heard that before, but, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to be Toad. I think you guys should take note on Toad's loyalty and uh, remember that when I give you orders. So, regardless of how I abuse you, you need to stay loyal. So, loyal as a Toad. Boy. Isn't that a saying? Loyal is that a saying? A toad. Loyal as a Toad. It is now! Coining that phrase. So, as we can imagine, characters, they continuously evolve in the Marvel Universe. And Toad's story is definitely a very fluid one, meaning that he has changed a lot over the years, and drastically so, and, and maybe even just with his appearance. Um, there's all kinds of different renderings out there of Toad. Uh, some of them make him appear to be like a feeble person who's kind of bent over like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and they make him look like kind of a really old guy where others will depict him as being kind of this young, spry character who's leaning back on his haunches. And then, of course, there's some renderings that make him appear like he's like a reskinned Darth Maul, you know, kind of like Ray Park appearance, right? So uh, sometimes he's tan, sometimes he's green, sometimes he's pale. There's really not a real clear, defined, or consistent look to Toad in, in the comic books and in other media is what I'm finding. Unlike other characters who haven't changed much over the years, like Magneto, he Magneto looks like Magneto. I know like Jim Lee rendered him as being like this real buff, muscular guy back in the 90s. Um, but Magneto just, you kind of always looks like, like Tony Stark. He's always got that pencil thin mustache and Peter Parker. They, they all kind of look the same. But artists have taken so many liberties with Toad over the years 
And one thing that's often consistent through many of his renderings is that purple bib that he wears. It's kind of like that old English ruffle around his neck. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, and he's got, sometimes he's rendered with it around his wrist, around his ankles. Wait a minute, what, what do you mean old English ruffle? I, I don't know. It's, James is wearing this now. Wear that. Yeah, yeah, now that we got James is here, it? is that is that like an English thing, or is it more like just an amphibian thing, and they would have this, like, fold around their neck? It's what? it's this old English toad thing. Just old English toads always wear these, like, fancy purple vests with this gotcha. ruffle around. But I think it's because we're trying to stop them from licking their eyes and pushing their eyes inside <laughs> out or something. So we, we, we slap them on toads when they're born. Okay. So, like, Kermit the Frog, he's got one, right? He's got this ruffle around his neck. Don't want him licking his eye. No, no licking your eyeball, buddy. And... Like a cone for a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so... But I mean, like, Kermit, if he's not wearing it, he looks naked without it, right? So, what is this I, thing around the neck? I don't know. I, I'm glad there's an English person here to help me. Because I was wondering if that's English or is that amphibian and reptilian, you know? It's that, both. It's all three. Okay. Is that is that where it started? Was England? You know, they... <laughs> As an English person, I'm just going to say yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Thank you. Thank no. you. No. All right. I believe you. I've had the elixir. All right. Um, anyway, Toad, not just his appearance it changes, but oftentimes Toad changes to fit the storyline. So as I was researching Toad, uh, this really stood out to me that the Toad character ch- changes a lot over the years uh, as far as his role is concerned, which remind, reminded me kind of like growing up watching wrestling. You know, you, you know, the wrestlers would change their shtick every few years. You know, one one year they're talking with this Russian accent. The next year they're they're like they're speaking with an English uh, sound, but they look like a, they came out of a Mad Max movie. Or then later on they look like a Repo guy, and they're still wrestling. But anyway, that's kind of like Toad to me. He's like somebody who's always changing his shtick. And um, so shouldn't he be the chameleon? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they pick the. In some instances he's below average mentality. Some instances he's like got the super genius ability to crack all the computer systems imaginable. Um, Sometimes he's presented as being this groveling subservient. And in other instances, he's leading his own army of mutants. Um, But in most instances throughout his storylines, though, he does become the wiser, meaning that he eventually gets it. He understands how Magneto really feels about him and it changes him. So he starts to grow a a spine, so to speak. And he starts taking charge of his own life. And so sometimes that meant that he was this faithful servant of Magneto. And then he would switch over to the X-Men. And then he would become a king in his own way. Kind of shedding the foolish gesture uh, about him. And then as mutants do, you know, they're constantly flipping sides, it seems. That that happens a lot. And it appears like in these mutant stories that they're... You know, one time they're siding with Magneto, next time they're siding with Professor X. And then there's all these different multiple Earths that that Toad is from. So without getting into a whole lot of it, probably going on here. But, you know, there's Toad from, you know, where he actually looks like a giant Toad. That's uh, in Earth 1191. There's the Ultimates Toad. There's a zombie Toad, which could give you nightmares. And then there's a Toad from Earth 2301 that looks like a cross between Splinter and Mr. Miyagi. And so, 
Uh, really, he's an integral character, so he has a lot of involvement in all these storylines, a whole lot more than I realized. But I'll just mention one story from good old Earth 616 that we that we usually talk about. So this is where Toad was commissioned, or he commissioned, actually, Arcade to construct a series of deadly traps inside yes. this old deserted castle. Did you hear this one before? I don't know if you heard this one before or not. I'm, 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 anything with Arcade, sign me up. Yeah, Arcade. I, I like Arcade, too. Anyway, uh, he commissions him to build these traps inside this deserted castle in upstate New York. And he renames himself the Terrible Toad King. And so he's inside this castle, and he's got all these planned traps around. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to catch everyone who's abused him in the past and putting him in that castle where they would be killed if they tried to escape. And so the first one that comes along is one that... that Toad's had beef with in the past, and that's Angel. So he falls into the trap. However, when he captures Angel, he also accidentally kidnaps the Thing as well. And so just as these two heroes were about to escape, then that's when Arcade shows back up. And now he's he's telling Toad, he's like, look, I want immediate payment for all these services that I gave you for all these traps. Well, Toad doesn't have any money, so he's fearful of his own life now at this point from Arcade. And so he goes into a panic. Angel takes pity on Toad, helps him to convert the castle into an amusement park. He calls it Toadland, which he would then allow him to collect cash from people in order to pay off his debt to Arcade. So, At which point does he turn it back to like a death castle? <laughs> I, I know. So, so now he's happy. He says the endeavor was a success. The Toad's experiment uh, is now as he's experiencing immense happiness because he's running this park he's making people happy until the real owner of the castle shows up that's victor von doom Oops. he kicks <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah he's like what'd you do to my castle so he kicks toad out of the castle he tears down all of his rides and he restores the structure to his own it's its old state and so that is such the to- story of toad you know <laughs> just as he seems to get it a grip. He, he finds happiness. Here comes Mr. Doom along and takes it all away from him. So anyhow, that's, I'll just stop there guys. There's so much, there's so much about uh, this rich character that we could talk about over the, over the years, but well, I do have a quick question was... for you as well, Bill. Sure. Go ahead. Um, and actually this is, this goes out to maybe not you, Mike, I, I know you're so busy, but to, uh, to Steve and to Daniel as well. Um, so he's part of the original, right? He's like the OG Magneto Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Right. Yep. Does he come back to that team often? Just because I feel like most of what I've seen him, or most of what I've seen of the team apart from in the movies, mm-hmm. he's not with them a whole lot. He he does. He's ah. he's He starts off with them. He's like one of the first members. Now, Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch, they were both part of that original team. He gets a thing for Scarlet Witch. And almost too much so. So he's so he ends up kind of being on the outs with them. And, and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, where they, they became traitors and went to sign up with the Avengers anyway. And then it really aggravated Toad whenever uh, Scarlet Witch got with a robot. You know, he's like, what? You know, you picked a robot of all things? So he would come back to the Brotherhood and he would be out again. Eventually he would run his own Brotherhood. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, he had his own team for a long time. And so, you know, over 60 years, he's just had so much evolution 
back and forth that, yeah, he's part of a team, then he's part of the X-Men, and he's back part of the uh, evil mutants again. So, yeah, he's kind of all over the place. He's hopping everywhere. Hmm. Um, I got a question for you, too. Okay. Uh, do you know what uh, happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it took this long. Oh, so good. Give the right answer. Yes, uh, I know the answer. Same thing that happens to everything else. No, that's, right. that's no, the wrong no, answer. That's the wrong Okay, so um, I've given it before, Steve. What is it? Go it ahead. croaks. Uh, Steve, I hope you just. I I hope you. I hope you cut in that. Uh... You know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning. The same thing that happens to everything else. Do you think that that was part of the original script? I, croaks, and, they and they're like, no, we can't say that in this movie that, that she's going to kill somebody. So we got to change that here at the last oh, minute. I, I don't know. They pivoted terrible. on it. It was, it was like, eh. but it, we, we still remember it to this day. So is it terrible? It is quotable. It's quotable. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's quotable. Uh, all right. Well, Hey, let's look at some cards, shall we? Oh yeah. We got cards. Almost forgot. Yeah. Again, this is from the mutant Genesis campaign box. Fourth scenario, 25 total cards, 10 setup cards, 15 encounter cards. And tonight we'll talk about two. So bill hop along and tell us about the man of the hour. All right. We're going to talk about toad and it's hard to read the text when we got such a beautiful image there on the card. Right. <laughs> it, it, to me, it almost looks like, Venom and Pat from Saturday Night Live got together oh, and yeah. had a child. The you know, Pats. that's a good. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a great yeah, it's like their love child. Anyway, um, and he's Toad wearing goggles in case got, he got, got, you know, yeah. hits his eye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he has a scheme of two, an attack of two with a star, and the star says it's a force response. After Toad attacks and damages a character you control. Discard one random card from your hand. Yes. Love it. That's a good attack. Taking away a card from your hand. That's mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. He is a Brotherhood of Mutants. Good. He has toughness. Victory of two. Uh, one for each eyeball that gets sucked into his head. After, t let's see. Uh, hit points. Hit points is 13 per player. Kind of low compared to mm -hmm. Blob 16. And then B, his expert side, he's a scheme of three, an attack of two. And again, Toad attacks you and damages a character you control. You discard one random card from your hand. That's a random card from your hand that you toss off when he damages. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a thing. I like it. He's great. He really makes me groan when he comes out first. Yep. He's great. Yeah, he gets a little extra hit points on his expert side. Now he's up to 16 per player. So that's pretty good. So I really like I really like Toad. I'm just going to say that. James, he was our first, wasn't he? He he was our first, and we were the was, last yeah. table to wrap it up because yep. he just slowed us down. Yeah, the, <laughs> the best part about his attacks is damages a character you control. Exactly. You. Yes. So you chump block. You still lose a card from your hand, right? That's the best mm -hmm. part. Yeah. So good. I, I talked about protection being, you know, 
bit of a silver bullet in this box. And you can definitely see it with Blob, right? Blob stuns the character it attacks. So the leadership characters can always you know, throw the character under the bus. The protection players, of course, were good. This one at least targets your leadership players. And I like that. Mm. Uh, it would have been... I mean, if I were a super villainous designer, I would have the forced response be automatic on the B side. After Toad attacks you. Bam. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that it does have to damage him, that's great. A scheme, though, being a three, that's that uh, genius, maybe. Right, Bill? Right. Yeah. That is the genius coming through. Yeah. Can I ask a somewhat unrelated question, but it is art-related? Of course. Can his tongue retract? <laughs> you're you're wondering if that fits in his mouth? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like is he, that's his thing's just flopping around like wherever he goes all the time? Yeah, he can retract it. Okay. Like a real tongue. Re- yeah. They, yeah, there's, where, there's art with his mouth closed. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think he lost his tongue at one point. Wolverine cut it off. Slice the thing right off and it grew right back again. So that's, that's part of that regenerative powers that he's got. And uh, when he does grow it back. Did they give him that regenerative power just so they could chop his tongue off in the comics? <laughs> oh, oh. I don't know where he got the perm. That's I like it. It's pretty good. You know where Toad can be found, right, Mike? Uh, absolutely, because he's hopping, right? So he's going to the basketball court. That's right. <laughs> Same scheme stats as what we saw in Blob yesterday. That is, starts at one threat per player, goes up by one per player each round, maxes out at seven. The same when completed, add the scheme to the victory display, advance to the next card in the deck, and then you lose the game if three of these schemes are defeated. But the important part, each ally and minion gains toughness. Okay. Yeah. Ironically counter to... Yeah, I know. What he does, but yeah. you know, no guarantee it comes out at the same time. Yeah, I wish he had piercing now. Yeah. So, what's the theme on the toughness part? Just oh, I mean, if you're playing basketball, you're just you're just you're tough. Just tough. Okay. You're just tough. You yeah, gotta be tough. Just making sure. Shoot yeah. those hoops out on the sports ball place. So, um, I do like the strangling cyclops part. Yeah, I thought hard. you would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Everybody gets allies and minions getting tough. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hm. Okay. And that's and so they're not existing on the table with toughness. They no, gain it toughness say while. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the toughness keyword specifically says in the rule book when this character enters play, place a tough card on it. Right. So, yeah. that's what the toughness word means. So, yeah. Right, so everybody who's existing on the table would not be tough just because this card pops out. Is that right? Right, right. only okay. people who show up after this card is out yeah. get the tough. Yeah. So, so, while, so while the card is out, the people yes. who are already there don't have it. Okay, <laughs> but I, it says, I need to know. Even though because... it says each ally and minion gains toughness. It's because of what the word toughness means in this game. That's why. Oh my god, Steve, this is so... <laughs> Oh my god. This is as awful as the wild thing. The word toughness in the rule book states that when an ally when a character sure. with toughness enters so play they, they gain a tough status card. So if they already exist when this comes out, they're not entering play so they don't gain a tough status card. 
unfortunately, they don't write these in a vacuum. Like, I'm with you, Daniel, linguistically, but they <laughs> they still keep the rest of the rules the way that they were. Oh, this is how card games become messes. This this is how, like, yeah. r- random, like, normal people stop playing games when it gets to this. <laughs> I just play it wrong. I just get, play it wrong and have a good time. Yeah, the difference between this one and the last one that we looked at with Blob was that every character gains retaliate. In this case, the only ones that would gain retaliate are allies and minions. Because, yeah, it would get tough because they're the ones that would actually show up. The the hero's not going anywhere and neither is the villain necessarily, right? When When you move to a new stage by defeating the previous villain, does the villain come out before the stage, or vice versa? The, the stages and villains interplay on their own timing. They're independent. But that's what I mean. Does Toad, if Toad was here, would he interplay after basketball court and therefore gain? Oh, no, because it's each ally and minion. It's, yeah. yeah. So but Toad character. himself yeah. has toughness printed on his card. Okay, so, yeah, that's right. So. I got really worried that you were going to say, if the scheme advances, does everyone lose their tough status card? And I'm really glad we did not go down that, that rabbit hole. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> Right, but I'm trying to know the answer to that because of the wild thing. They don't. (laughs) These are supposed to be really quick episodes, so we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) We're going to talk about how you can get a hold of us. Yes, you can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail dot com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Fun Loaf, Wandering Tube, Board Game Lawyer, and Darcy. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Code, take us out. X-Men think you're so much better than me. I'll show you. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. How did Craig. Daniel get it first? I don't know. I waited for Craig to introduce himself. You guys interrupt him, and that's rude. Oh, that's true.